Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. In the next few days, we will see the attention of the world turn more towards an open tomb than any other time of the year. Easter is a very special day. Christians are the only one that can celebrate the resurrection of their Lord and their Savior. But the resurrection is not all of the story. I want to try to show you today and next week and then on Easter Sunday that there's three things that tie in to the resurrection that are an imperative. Not only was it an imperative for the Lord Jesus Christ, but it is an imperative for every person that claims to be a believer or a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are times when we get caught up as Christians in being religious and we forsake the studying of the Word of God in order that we can walk by the will of God and experience the promises of God. We just simply think that if we go through some kind of a ritual motion, that we just somehow, some way are transposed into the likeness of the Lord Jesus and that we're born again and we become heirs of God and join heirs with Jesus Christ and then we just kind of jump into the, the cauldron of the world and do the best we can. I want to show you in the next three Sundays how important it is for all of us to understand all of the things that surround what we call Resurrection Sunday. I want you to listen very closely. I will say some things in the next three weeks that maybe you have not thought about. These are things that have come to me through many weeks of study. I've told you a long time ago that I was already working on my Easter sermon. Well, I have uh, been able to spend a lot of time in looking at these three things that I will talk to you about. And I hope that you will pray that when Easter Sunday comes, when we know there will be a lot of people that will be worshiping either here or via the television or radio or internet that have never heard really the gospel. They've heard religious sermons or religious addresses. They have heard Bible verses, but they can't put the pieces together. They just don't have that opportunity because of the life that they've chosen to live by rather than abstaining from evil, they've abstained from the things of God, like the study of the Word, the time in prayer, the time in worship, the time of sharing their faith, their time of having a, a quiet time with the Lord, if you please. So I want you to listen very closely to me this morning, and I pray that you will be touched enough to be back next week. And then, of course, when we have all the many services on Easter weekend, beginning with the sunrise service at the cross. At the end of this service today, you will have an opportunity to respond to what you hear. We will have a moment as we close when we will invite you to uh, come to a very special place called our Connection Center, which is out off of our foyer right behind the divine servant where Jesus is washing Peter's feet and the bronze of that. And in that lobby, you will have an opportunity to act on what you hear if the Holy Spirit so convicts you to do so. 
May I say to you before I begin this series, you do not choose the time and the place that you get it right with God. God makes the first move. That's the reason for the Holy Spirit. There has to be a conviction that comes upon you. You will not choose the time when even the process begins of your coming to an understanding of what it means to be born again. You don't just get up one day and say, okay, I think it's the day. I think I want to get born again today. The Holy Spirit must draw you. That's the reason that the only unpardonable sin in the Bible is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's the one unpardonable sin in the Bible, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I say, what in the world does that mean? The only way you can get to Jesus is for the Holy Spirit to lead you there. And when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you have destroyed your guide, so to speak. There's no way that you're going to find the Lord unless the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin and leads you lovingly to the Lord. So keep that in mind. Don't, don't let us sit here as, as judge and jury. Let us be here today understanding that we are condemned already if we have not been led to the cross and experienced what I'm going to try to talk to you about in the next three weeks. Now, having said that, I want you to be willing to stand with me here in the auditorium out of respect to the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter 14. Would you stand? And I will read from the 32nd verse. <clears throat> And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he says to his disciples, sit you here while I shall pray, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and he began to, so, to be sore amazed and to be so heavy, very heavy. And saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch for one hour, watch ye and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and he prayed. And he spake the same words. And, then, and when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time, and he said unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed under the hands of sinners. Rise up. Let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. May God bless the reading of his word. Would you be seated? During recent weeks, we have talked about Sunday after Sunday, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We've talked about how the Lord said that he saves us to be a disciple. We re if you remember the last message where we tried to make it clear, follow me. That's your command, follow me. Not lay it out, detailed instructions. He said, you just follow me. 
You learn my will and obey my will. You learn my commandments, commandments and obey my commandments. And by doing so, <clears throat> you will walk in the will of the Father. The Holy Spirit is what convicts us. Then we repent. We do an about face. We turn from the way we're going when the Lord shows up and the Holy Spirit convicts us and we start this journey of following the Lord. We turn around and we repent and invite Christ into our life. Then we are baptized, in, not in order that we can be saved, but because we have been saved, we go public with our commitment and we say we, that we're going to follow where the Lord said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. We're buried with Christ in baptism and we're raised to walk in a brand new life. Amen. Now, as we approach Easter, I know that there's been a lot of messages about Easter and all the events that led to the various things, but I want to concentrate on three things. I want to concentrate on, first of all today, on the Gethsemane experience. Next Sunday, I will talk to you about the cross, the crucifixion. And then on Easter, we'll talk about the resurrection. What I say to you today will affect whether the next two mean a thing in the world to you other than I listened, I heard, it was quite interesting, would be about all that you could say. Because you see, the text today takes us to a very solemn passage of Scripture. Gethsemane was so important, listen to me, was so important, and the agony was so great that night that God's son could have died right there if the Holy Spirit and if the angel would not have come to comfort him. If you go over in the book of John, the 15th chapter, you will see, or in the 20th chapter, you will see how the angel came and ministered. There is always those moments that we just pass over we look at them, we study them, we think about them ever so often, but we do not concentrate on what happened that night at the Garden of Gethsemane. Many of you have been to the Holy Land, you know that garden is just outside the Eastern Gate. Much took place in that garden. Our story this morning takes place there as just outside of Jerusalem, Jesus goes to pray the night before crucifixion is coming. He carries with him these disciples, people like us, people that said they had left all to follow him. And they are there with a responsibility. Their responsibility was to pray. That was it. Not to pass out tracts, not to preach a sermon, not to sing a song, but to pray. And the Lord said, I want to go further, but I want to go by myself. I want you to stay here. I want to go by myself. And as he went further, something happened. Something happened that was catastrophic as to the purpose for God sending his son to this world. Jesus is on the way to the crucifixion. That's already been determined. The sentence is there. The execution date has been set. There is the promise that on the third day, I will rise. 
But there came a conflict. Now listen to me. Let me say this real quickly, lest I lead you astray. I want to remind you of something I had to be reminded of. Jesus is both God and man. We have a tendency to forget about the man part and talk about the God part. You see, when he came to this world, he dealt with, matter of fact, Hebrews said he was tempted in every way that any of us has ever been tempted. He came in the flesh and he came being in the flesh with certain challenges that he would have to deal with. And in the brief time that he was on the earth, he had to face some difficult times. You remember after the baptism, the Satan shows up. You remember that test and how it came. But none are like this one. Tomorrow, I will be executed. I know that I have been sent to do the will of my Father. But now I come into a situation that I've never had to deal with before. Because in this story, you find God the Son and God the Father in 180 degree different directions when he entered that garden. The Father had sent him to die. Follow this. He knew that. But now the day has come. And the humanity of Christ begins to rise up. And he has a discussion with the Father. Father, with all due respect, I don't want to go to that cross. And he said it again. But as a submissive son, he said, but not my will, but thine be done. But I cannot leave this garden until I am assured one more time, I need to know that I know that I know that there's no other name given among men whereby people might be saved. If I'm going to come to this cross and lay my life down, and the Bible says they did not grab him and throw him there, he laid his life down. He could have called 10,000 angels. They were still there to come to the rescue. But he laid his life down. But there was one thing that's most important. Have I done the will of my Father who sent me? Have you ever had an agonizing moment like that? Am I talking to anyone here? I've already talked to myself. But am I talking to anybody else that's ever dealt with a moment? Am I really fulfilling God's purpose for my life? Am I really, if God sent me as he sent Jesus into this world, if he sent me for a purpose, am I fulfilling God's purpose for my life? I think it's interesting that it was in the book of Luke where it talked about uh, how in the agonizing experience that God sent an angel to minister to him. It's a tough night, folks. Dr. Luke would pick up on that, and that's one of those real jewels in the scripture, how he added on in this story that the angel came. He was struggling. You bet he was weeping. You bet he was in all agony. You see, whenever you come to a moment of a transformation in your life, and you come against the forces of Satan that has so empowered your will that it's rather than not my will but thine be done, you're in a position, not your will, I'll do what I want to do. And I'll do it when I want to do it. 
and you come to that moment in your life when you have to deal with an issue. Are you here to do the will of the Father? Are you here to do your own will? Are you here to make your own decisions? Are you here to follow the decisions that were been made for you before you were ever born? Because the Bible tells us that God had a plan and our steps are ordained of God. Well, how in the world do we get in such messes and seemingly there's no help there because when you get in, the, in a messes brought on by your own unwillingness to obey the Lord, you've got to deal with it. You ever hear that old cliche? You made your bed, you sleep in it. Yeah. See, we run around and we think we just do anything and all we got to do is get to the confession booth or get to the church or get to the prayer room and fall on our knees and say, God, forgive me all my many sins. Lord, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And next Saturday night, you're in the same place doing the same thing. Not a, not a, your vocabulary had not changed. Your steps haven't changed. Your attitudes haven't changed. Your priorities haven't changed. Not one thing has changed. You know why? Because you've never been broken to do the will of the Father. You've never come to that Gethsemane experience. You see, as we look in Luke twenty-two forty-three, let me just read it to you because this is very important, how, how Luke picked up on this. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That's Jesus. Can you imagine? Why was it so tough for him? Never had he gone against the Father's will. Never had he fought against it. Never had he been so bold to say, please change your mind, Father, please. Please, please. But he would not. We're going to talk about crucifixion next week. So let me just tell you in one sentence. If you don't get through Gethsemane, you're sure not going to handle the crucifixion. Just, just trust me on that. If you cannot come to a moment in your life to say, I've made my own decisions too long. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've got exactly, I, 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 I got everything I wanted. I was so strong. I was so smart, so rich, so good looking, so involved in everything. I've just done my own thing. I've just, have you know, I got the award for being most miserable. <laughs> Whenever you come up to, to a God that stands against you and says, hold it. You don't move beyond here. But I got to be crucified. Because if I'm not crucified with Christ, I can't live with Christ. I want to be crucified. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you want to go out and be a martyr, you've got to submit to the will of the Father for your life. Amen. While you're conscious, sane, clear-minded, you've got to make that call. And if you don't make that call, you will certainly not see a resurrection. You'll never know what it is to walk in victory because the way you walk in victory is to know that it is finished. The victory is over. Jesus is Lord and I'm his child and I will walk with him through this life and for all of eternity. Whenever you find yourself, and by the way, if you don't know the Lord, you're walking in opposite directions. You know why a lot of people never say, well, you know, I, I just don't never run into the Lord in my life, you know? You know why? You know why? You wouldn't recognize him if you saw him. Because you've become so blinded to this world 
And if we could spend the rest of the afternoon, everybody get up and tell us how this world has conned us, it would move into years of time. Gethsemane is simply the moment when you do an about face and line up with the will of God for your life. That's what it is. When Jesus walked into that garden, he did not walk in looking forward to, I'm just going to have a little prayer time here because I'm going to be crucified tomorrow. Need to do something religious, so let's go pray. He walked in there with agony. Sweat drops of blood were falling out of him. It was so strong in that moment that God had to deal with him, father to son. But when he walked out of that garden that night, he was ready for the crucifixion. He could handle it. Never wavered. He never said anything ugly about anybody on the cross, did he? He didn't have a, well, before I go, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to get you. I'm fixing to die on this cross, but I'm fixing to send some angels to take you out. You know. You, you find nothing that he ever said that wasn't the will of God for him to say it. God just flowed through him. Was it easy? No. Is it easy to become a Christian? No. Well, it was easy for me. I remember. I just said, dear God, save me. And, and I remember I was told I got saved. And I filled out this little card and I got baptized. And now I'm saved. Hold on. Be careful about that. There's a Gethsemane. There's a time of remorse and brokenness and repentance. Today, many, it seems like the world has fallen in on you. Seems like everywhere you turn, it's just crumbling. I would ask you this morning to just stop and deal with the reality in your life. I mean, with the reality that is all around you. A lot of these reality shows are on television. That seems to be an end thing now. Well, I'll just spin off of that and say, it's time for people to get real about what's called salvation. What's called about a new birth. It's time for reality to replace your make-believe. You can't depend on your friends to save you. Hey, Peter, James, and John, they were handpicked. Come go with me and pray, and I want to go a little bit farther. And all three of them went to sleep. There's only one that cares about you, really, and me, and his name is Jesus. And he is concerned because he knows what he's got prepared for you. He knows what's there. He knows the battle you're struggling with, and it's so difficult when most people are not following the will of God for you to say, I'm going to follow the will of God for my life. For Jesus, that night, he submitted to the will of the Father. What was that will? That there'd be a crucifixion the next day. That was it. Before, they weren't together. When he came out of that Gethsemane garden that night, they were ready. He was ready. What happened? Did God take him to the woodshed? He humbled himself before the mighty hand of the Father, like he always did. See, we, we have trouble with that, folks. See, we're living in a generation where fathers... 
forsake their kids, walk out on their kids. And then kids are raised in homes that just literally do everything they can to belittle their earthly father. Jesus was not there. He revered his father. He said, honor your father and your mother, your days will be long on the face of the earth. He didn't come out with a bitterness and say, don't trust your father. I trusted my father and he got me crucified. No, 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 no. He, he came out of there with a real feeling of, I can trust my father. He has never failed me. And he's not going to fail me now. And there's a cross coming. But there's a Sunday coming. And there's going to be a celebration. If Gethsemane comes first in your life, the crucifixion won't be as bad. You remember the thief on the cross? He had his Gethsemane on the cross. That's where he, remember, one of them was just going crazy, you know. Get me down, get me down, you know. And he was after him, you know. The other thief was talking to him. But that thief on that cross had his Gethsemane. And he said, when you come into your kingdom, just remember me. Just remember me. The sooner you can have your Gethsemane, the better off you're going to be. Let me tell you the order of these. See, some people <clears throat> want to go through the crucifixion, and they may. They may have the crucifixion first and then their Gethsemane. I recommend the opposite. I recommend you go to Gethsemane before you go to Calvary. Otherwise, you're really going to have trouble with Calvary. You don't want to be surrounded by a Roman army with spears and swords and drunken stupor wanting to tear your body apart and not know that you're in the will of the Father. Gethsemane is not a when or a where, but it's a must. It's a must. That's where most Christians, quote unquote, most members of the Christian faith miss it. They've never submitted to the will. For Jesus to endure the cross, he went to Gethsemane. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Where's, where's Jesus now? He's sitting beside the Father. Why is he sitting beside the Father? Because he did the will of the Father. And because he did the will of the Father, he now is experiencing the joy of the Lord, and he's also experiencing the unity between Father and Son. The two are one. And the Holy Spirit is happy, the Son is happy, and the Father is happy. When we sing that song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. We need to remember Paul's words. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, and it'll endure all things. The love of God. I hope it doesn't bother you that the Father and the Son disagreed that night. But they did. Well, I just can't handle that, preacher. You don't have to handle it, but just mark it down. They did. There was a real battle. One time. That was the time. And the Father won. 
our Lord could never stand a moment without knowing that he and the Father were one. Do you have days when you'll do that? Do you want God to walk out of here with you today? Do you want God to walk with you today? That's one. So that whatever you face, you will be one. I want to be in agreement. Lord, I'm doing your will in the best way I know how. And I'll leave the consequences up to you. Can you do that today? That's the question that's before us. You'll never be closer to the human side of your Lord than identifying with him in Gethsemane. You think about it. You think about what the Apostle Paul had to give up to follow the Lord. You think about what you would have to give up if you chose to follow the Lord. I know you're saying, well, I didn't really change that much, but I, I'm, I'm a baptized, you know, I was baptized by immersion in the Jordan River. Well, I hope you were saved. Because the Jordan River won't help you get saved. It's a beautiful place to be baptized. I recommend it. But the thing you can't survive is not being in the will of the Father in your life. You say, well, I just see people, they're so faithful, they're good Christians, they come to church every Sunday, but they're just miserable. That may be a group I'm talking to today. You know why they're miserable? If they are, because they're not walking in the will of the Father. When you walk in the will of the Father, it's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be a glorious day for you. There's a song that most of you know that have been around the Christian church. I'm just going to be honest with you. This song, I love the song, but it never did take on the meaning it takes on for me this morning. It's a favorite of some of you. It's in your top five. I just never could put it all together. I love the song. I love to sing it. It is called In the Garden. I always thought was walking out in my mother's gardens full of, of roses, you know. My mother loved to raise roses, and I kind of put in that context. Well, that's a beautiful song, you know, going out in mother's garden. That's great. That kind of touches me right here. But, but that's not what this song is all about. This song is written by C. Austin Miles. He lived from 1868 to 1946. He was a pharmacist, turned hymn writer and a church music director. One day in March of 1912, while he was in his dark room waiting for his film to develop, now can you imagine those days, Miles had a profound spiritual experience when he saw and had an incredible vision of Mary Magdalene visiting the empty tomb. He had that vision. He saw her leave the tomb and walk into a garden, and there she met the master and heard him speak her name. He literally began to tremble, according to the historical data. And after he got over the emotion of it, his muscles were very, very tense. The words to that song began to come into his mind. And he quickly wrote out the lyrics to In the Garden. Later that evening, he compiled the musical score to the song. And the same year, well, this is for the old timers, Billy Sunday, not Billy Graham, Billy Sunday, 
heard the song and adapted it to the Billy Sunday Evangelistic Crusades. Pre-Billy Graham and How Great Thou Art, as you remember Billy. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And, and he walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is singing. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Think about that. Today, if you'll come to Gethsemane, God's got a will and a plan for your life. You may be fighting in every direction. You feel the yielding uh, 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 that, that you're about to yield to the forces of Satan. And you're in a real battle. Even today, you're facing some things this very day that you know is not, against, it's not the will of God for your life. Today, you can know for sure that God has a will for you. And that will is for you to confess, repent, turn, be received and then die to self and be crucified with Christ in order that you can live. And the way you'll live is that Christ will live in you. When Jesus was on that cross and he spoke those words, who do you think was giving him the script? You can rest assured he and the Father wrote the script together. And he spoke it with power. And he spoke it with conviction. And the soldiers, the tough soldiers said, I've never seen a man die like that man. God makes a difference. And you know what makes a difference? Humble obedience to his will. We're going to close our service like this today. Now listen to me very carefully. Nobody moving in this building. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you, to stand quietly. Don't, don't you go out in the aisle, except, matter of fact, those of you that are going to the Connection Center to help, uh, I'm going to ask you to just go ahead and leave right now, if you would. Uh, we have so many that are there to talk with you. Y'all slip out. <clears throat> Here's what we're going to do. I've asked Brother Bill to sing that song while we just bow our heads in prayer. And as he sings, I want you to hear the words of the song, but I want you to think about Gethsemane. As he sings, the forces of Satan are going to come against you. You can count on it. But the love of God is stronger. It's stronger. And he wants to speak to you today. There's some of you men that this is a day that you'll either get saved or you'll never get saved. This is a moment for you. God just shows up in times like this. We're talking about a man being a man of God and Jesus saying, I will do it even if it means crucifixion. That's what I'll do. And so as this song is sung,
Brother Bill's going to sing it. You can sing with him. He won't care. But if you just want to listen, you listen. But whatever it takes, you get in the spirit of God. Have you been to Gethsemane? Has there ever been a time in your life when you really said, I want to know the will of God in my life? And that's what I'll do. I'll forsake all to follow Christ. Let's all stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen to these words. And as you do, you can make, just a minute, let's start again. As you're listening, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you step out in these aisles. Don't come down here. Go out the back and go into that, that beautiful lobby and get the burden lifted. Get the freedom that you've looked for all of your life, even while Bill is singing. Excuse me for interrupting you, Brother Bill. You sing it now. We're listening. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.